0: Welcome to the Edinburgh Vineyard podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us, please visit edinburghvineyard.org. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. So why don't I uh, pray? So Lord, I thank you that you brought us here this morning. And Lord, I pray you'll just teach us your ways. Lord, I pray that over these next few weeks, in particular, we'll learn how to speak your words. And uh, help us to understand and uh, hear your voice from the Book of James and for those guys who are talking over the next few weeks as well. Bless Emma as she speaks and help us to receive it well. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, Before I start, I have two caveats with little disclaimers. The first one is... It was horrible weather this morning. It was raining. I put on boots that I've not worn for a long time. And as I was walking here, I was like, these are actually extremely uncomfortable. So I have taken them off. So sorry, I'm in my socks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Apologies. Uh, I just, you know, I want to be focused on what the Lord is saying. I don't want to be stood up here thinking, oh, my feet really hurt. So sorry. Um, Secondly, um, (laughs) worship was wonderful this morning. Thank you, Johnny and Julia. Holy Spirit was really moving. I feel like I got walloped a bit. And um, some, you know, we believe in this church that the Holy Spirit is active and moving. And sometimes when that happens, people respond physically. Some people might like twitch or shake, or sometimes I tremble and sometimes I cry. So if I start doing that, um, don't be alarmed, please. (laughs) It's not because I'm especially emotional or anything. It's just because um, the Holy Spirit's moving and uh, it doesn't bother me. Please don't let it bother you either. um, If it does happen, anyway. Let's get into it. Um, So as Ben very helpfully said, we are starting this new series, um, wondering kind of what it means to be disciples of Jesus who speak his words. What does it mean to speak his words? Um, And as Ben said, we're in the book of James. If you've got a Bible, um, we're going to be looking at James 1 this morning. It will come up on the screen um, in a minute as well anyway. But um, yeah, so we're in the book of James. Um, If you have never heard of the book of James, it's towards the end of the Bible, kind of towards the back of the New Testament. Um, It is a letter written by someone called James, a nice logical name, um, to uh, early churches, to kind of the community of Christians. So it's after Jesus has died and risen again, and the early church is kind of growing, churches are being planted, and um, James is a key figure in this early church. Um, a lot of people think he's Jesus's brother or some kind of relation to Jesus. Um, maybe, you know, whatever that means, maybe one of Mary and Joseph's other children or something like that. Anyway, so he is a, he's a key figure, someone who knew Jesus, someone who's very influential and um, is kind of leading this early church and he's writing them this letter. Um, it's a nice small book, it's five chapters. Um, I do really recommend that you read it. It is a great book and you know, Obviously, we're slightly limited in what we can get into on a Sunday morning, but it's great. So I'm really excited to be talking about it this morning. Um, there's loads of just really rich wisdom in there. Even chapter one is like full to the brim of great stuff. Um, but this morning, <clears throat> we're just looking at James one nineteen to 27. So um, I'll just read that. I think I'm reading from the NRSV. Your translations might be a little bit different, but it, it's also great. It's also up there as well. So... James one nineteen. You must understand this my beloved brothers and sisters let everyone be quick to listen slow to speak slow to anger for, for human anger does not produce God's righteousness therefore rid yourselves of sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls but be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. it's Intense, some kind of intense verses, so rich, there's so much in there. Um, but it's kind of like every, every word feels like it hits quite heavy. Um, but there's a few things I kind of want to tease out this morning, a few things in particular that I think God is wanting to say to us this morning um, and particularly things that I suspect he's saying to us um, as a church and as a community. So the first thing, I think probably obviously the first thing (laughs) is um, this whole series, right? It's about the words of God and the words of Jesus. We want to be people who speak the words. So what are those words? (laughs) Um, When John says, uh, John, too many j names james the author um when he talks about the implanted word that has the power to save your souls um that's jesus something that the new testament writers uh that will often call jesus is they'll call him the word um by which they don't mean like a a spoken word they mean that jesus is like the manifestation of the word of god um and so (laughs) sometimes when, when they say word it's like oh there's some double meanings going on when James talks about the word that has the power to save your souls, he doesn't mean that there's like a particular word you need to say. And then like, boom, done. He means Jesus. And so not only is Jesus the one who saves us, but we also know this this series, the point of the series is that God speaks words over us as well. And so I kind of just want to start this morning by asking the question, like, what is God saying to you today? Because I, there is no doubt in my mind he's saying something. I believe that God is always speaking to us, speaking over us. So what is God saying to us today? What's he speaking over us? That we are loved and that we're treasured and that we matter and that we have a purpose and a path and that we're not alone or left behind. Um, that we're his beloved children. And that's the place that I want to start from. And that's the place that I think we always will start from um, when we pray, when we teach on a Sunday morning. That's the place that we always want to begin from, that God is always saying these things over us, that we're loved, treasured, valued, seen, saved. And sometimes I think that maybe the longer I go on following Jesus or the more familiar I become with maybe reading these Bible verses or more familiar I become with these words, um, it can be really easy to kind of just forget these basic truths. So it's always worth saying them. Um, Maybe you've heard them a million times. Maybe you've never heard them. God loves you. He values you. He has a path for you. He has a purpose for you. Um, you You are his treasured child and he loves you. God is good and he loves you. God's good and he's good to you. He's kind and he's kind to you. He's loving and he loves you. And he's powerful and he has and he is and he will save you. And uh, that word, that truth of who Jesus is and what he says um, will always be our starting point And our end point and our midpoint and the core of everything we do and everything we want to be so we need to know and understand the words of Jesus before we can speak them ourselves. The second thing that I think is, is pretty key in what James is saying here is this phrase. He says, be doers of the word and not merely hearers. And, uh, yeah, doing doers of the word, not merely hearers. What a challenge. I think that is. I've been extremely challenged by it this week. Um, I suspect it will always be a challenge, well, certainly for me. Um, I suspect that God is always challenging us with that. Um, I keep thinking that at DTI a few months ago, some of us were there in the summer. Someone said, I can't even fully remember who it was. I think it might've been um, Paul Lowe, who was here a few weeks ago, if you remember, Paul and Steph are here. Um, I think Paul said at some point that Jesus doesn't just save you from something, he saves you for something. Um, and this is slightly tricky, right? I, I want to be clear when I say this because, um, you know, I, this is ongoing discussion of like, what saves us? Is it good deeds? Is it um, believing in Jesus? Is it both? Is it neither? Blah, 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 whatever. Um, Jesus saves us. We can't earn our relationship with God by being good people. Um, and that's kind of tricky because we, we probably all have the impulse to be good people. Um, we want to be good. I think that's quite a normal human Uh, And it's a good thing to want to be good people. Um, But doing good things will not save you. And I remember before I knew Jesus, um, you know, before I was following him, I did kind of think, why would I do that? When, like, I don't need to follow Jesus to be a good person. I can be a good person already. I am a good person already. Um, I can already do good things. Like, surely that's enough. Why do I need more than that? And um, maybe... You also thought that maybe you still think that. Um, I think that's quite a common, th- a common thought people have about Jesus. Is they're like, oh, but I can already be a good person. I can already act quite Christian, um, and that's actually why I really loved what Paul said: is that Jesus doesn't um, just save you from something, but for something. Jesus saves you, and He does, and that's it, and that's enough. And He will always be meeting us where we are, and I believe he always wants to meet us in our lives, come into our situations, save us from whatever we need saving from. But then that's only the first half of the story, I think. And Psalm 40, um, Psalms are in the Old Testament, they're an earlier part of the Bible. Psalm 40 says this, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Um, I think that sums up really nicely. God lifts us out of the pit and out of the mud and the mire that we're in. He saves us from that. And then he sets our feet on a rock. And then he doesn't just go like, see you later. <laughs> Bye. fend for yourself. Um, and just walks away from us. He pulls us out of the pit. He saves us from that. He sets us on a rock and a firm foundation. Um, and then the psalmist says he puts a new song in our mouths. And I believe that he stays with us and he guides our next steps and he saves us out of the pit to go somewhere else and to do something else. And so what I'm getting at here and what I think James is saying as he's writing this letter is, um, I think he's saying that if you have heard the word of God over your life and then you do that word and you become that word and that necessitates action. And so by way of example, I think we are in a really key moment as a church and we have had this exciting, you know, Ben was talking about it earlier this impacting generations. We've had this amazing, amazing word, this exciting new vision, this new shiny thing that the Lord is calling us into, and this new stage of serving children and families in this area and in, the, in wider Edinburgh. And it's like, yes, that's so exciting. And what else is God saying? Be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. And then a few verses later, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. And uh, in the New Testament, often that that kind of phrase to care for orphans and widows, um, you know, in that context, that that's basically people who have like no social framework to support them. So often they'll kind of use orphans and widows as That's kind of shorthand is like to look after vulnerable people, to serve people, people who maybe don't have any money, have no other framework besides you, the church. (laughs) Um, Serve them. Don't just hear and receive what God has said to you, but do it as well. Um, And practically, what does that mean? It means giving up your time and your money and your energy and maybe sacrificing things that are very precious to you and sacrificing some of your other priorities to offer them up before the Lord and to see his kingdom come. That we would not just hear the word of what God is saying to us, but we would make it manifest with our lives and with our service and that we care for widows and orphans practically in their distress. And that's literal widows and orphans and figurative widows and orphans. And uh, what's really challenged me with these verses this week is that um, James says be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves and it's incredibly easy actually to be a Christian and to know and follow Jesus and to just receive what he says about you because what he says about you is wonderful Um, he absolutely says wonderful things to you all the time he is always saying over you that he loves you and the temptation will always be to say yes Jesus loves me and I am secure and safe in the love of God which you are And that that means I'm gonna get on with the rest of my life and that God will just always be in my corner. And wherever I go looking for him, I'll find God and I'll be able to fit him in to my life where there's space for him. And in those God-shaped holes, I'll be able to be like, yes, great. I know God, God loves me. Boom, done, I can just get on with it. And the temptation is we deceive ourselves, I think, with saying that that's enough. And I wanna say this morning, Is that enough for you? I think if James was here this morning, he would probably say, no, if you believe that you are deceiving yourself. We are deceived if we think it's sufficient to only hear the words of God and not do them and to only be hearers of the word and not doers of the word. And so that's a challenge this morning um, for all of us to not believe the lies. Don't believe the lies that Jesus doesn't love you that Jesus can't save you that God doesn't know you or see you or doesn't have a plan for you don't believe the lies that contradict what God says but also don't believe the lie that just accepting those truths is enough to live in the fullness of the life God has for you don't deceive yourself and rather be doers of the word and then the third thing that um I think God is is talking to us this morning and to be honest this has been the one that's like most been challenging for me I felt most personally challenged by this this week but it's also my favorite part of what I see in these verses from James um it's how James speaks um I think something these verses make really plain and something that um is probably obvious to all of us from just like living in the world, is that the words that we speak and the things that we say really matter. And our words have real power and can have real influence. And uh, what James says, and I think he also believes that his words have influence, what he says to the recipients of his letter is that he calls them my beloved brothers and sisters. And I think you know the power of that maybe can be slightly dulled to us if we're very familiar with the Bible or if we've been around church a lot. It's like Christians say that a lot as we'll talk about being brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and that, that can be a bit familiar. Um, I think actually, it's shockingly intimate and affectionate, and it's enormously significant, actually. It's not something that James says lightly. I don't think it is something we should say lightly. Jesus talks in the Gospels about how following him means leaving your family and it can mean separating from your father and mother. Then the Apostle Paul talks in his letters, also in the New Testament, about how we are fully and completely united in believers in Christ and that nothing else, no other identity matters to us, but that we are united through being followers of Jesus. It means something extremely significant to call each other brothers and sisters and even more so to call each other beloved brothers and sisters. And James doesn't just call them that to sound nice or to try and get them on his side. I think he sincerely considers them his brothers and his sisters, and he loves them above the love that he would probably have for his actual biological family. And so uh, if I could encourage you to remember, I think, anything, one fact about the the book of James or this letter of James as we read it over the next few weeks, um, it's that... Or James is a letter. Um, it's not written to just one person either. It's written to various communities, and various kind of young little churches, um, but all of them are part of the one kind of wider family of believers. And so the the bottom line is that James is never written to one singular person. Um, it's written to a community, and though. So, of course, we want to consider um, what is God saying to us as individuals this morning. God um, has things for us individually that will not be the case for everyone in this church. But also, God is talking to us as a church and as a community. And so if we take these two facts, we take the fact that um, our words have power and words can be influential and words can be significant. And then we also take the fact that James says that we are called to call each other beloved brothers and sisters. Um, what are we left with? What's kind of the meeting point of those two two thoughts? And um, I've been a Christian for about 14 years, maybe. Um, I think in that, you know, I've been part of several churches, various kind of Christian communities. Do you know what was always present in every single church I've ever been a part of? Gossip. We <laughs> flipping love to talk about each other. Um, we probably all do it I'm confident in saying every single person in this room has done it I certainly do it I'm definitely not standing up here this morning being like I'm fantastic at this you guys all are terrible (laughs) Uh, please do not hear me saying that that is absolutely not the case Um, but it has happened in every single church I've been a part of it happens in this one and um, largely I think it's a very human impulse you know it's like that it happens when you know each other when you love each other and you care about what happens in other people's lives is that you want to talk about them. Um, I want to challenge us this morning though and say, I think we should be fighting that impulse sometimes. And I think James is pretty clear and it's quite heart hitting. He says in verse 19, you must understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For human anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. And then in verse 26, a few verses later, it says, if any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. And um, you know, I'm sure you know this. I don't even have to tell you. These are not easy things to do. <laughs> Um, being slow to anger, but quick to listen. Slow to speak. Bridling your tongue, is this, what does actually, what does this one say? No, 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 no. Tight rein, keep a tight rein on their tongues. Um, bridling is something you do to a horse. Um, you know, keep keep a tight rein on it. Keep tight control over what you say and bridle your tongue. Watch how you speak about anyone. And I would add that we have to be extremely cautious about how we speak about our beloved brothers and sisters. If a stranger heard you speaking about someone else in this church, would they know that you're speaking about your beloved brother and sister in Christ? I have been so challenged by that, not just this week as I've been preparing for this, but um, over the last little while, I think it's, it's extremely challenging. It's extremely difficult. We want to talk about each other. But in my experience, words that are words that start very innocuously and very inoffensively can become um, something quite different very quickly. And um, also, probably all of us have stories about people who have been very hurt by gossip, either ourselves or someone else we've known. And the truth is, I think there is nothing that would tear apart the community of God faster than words spoken in anger, words spoken too quickly without thought, words that come off a tongue that's, that's not been bridled, um, words that are spoken out of resentment or pride or hurt or f- yeah, false piety or false authority or words that are spoken um, out of a desire to just know more and words that are not... Spoken out of a desire to speak life and love and the words of Jesus over our beloved brothers and sisters. Nothing will tear apart a community of God faster than those. And I think also nothing will strangle the life of the word of God in your life than words like that. Speaking them or receiving them. Um, Taking part in talk like that or receiving lies that other people say to you. Nothing will push out. Um, the actual words of God in your life faster than that and if I'm being completely honest I think as a church we are especially vulnerable to this because we're pushing into this new vision and um, that means we are laying ourselves wide open as individuals and as a community to being attacked and to being hurt by words that have not been spoken um out of kind hearts or out of generous hearts or words that are just not befitting of speaking to each other as we should, which is as beloved brothers and sisters. Um, And so I I really hope you don't hear me um, being super critical this morning. Like it is it's a very normal human impulse to want to talk about the people in our lives. And a natural consequence of being a church is that we are in each other's lives and we know each other's business. Um, But I wonder if the challenge for us this morning is to curb that impulse and so i want to challenge you this morning what does it mean to bridle your tongue and what are the words that jesus is speaking over you and therefore what are the words that you want to be speaking over your beloved brothers and sisters in christ when i read this passage in james and as i pray about what we're stepping into as a church i think wow i want our reputation as a church to be that we are people who understand the word of God. We understand who God says we are. We understand what he is saying to us. We understand what Jesus speaks to us. We have grasped grasped the vision that he has given us. And so we have become doers of the word and not just hearers. I categorically do not want our reputation to be that we are a group of people who speculate endlessly on the sin we think we see in other people's lives. It is pointless, it's fruitless, it is extremely hurtful. They are not the words of God. If you go looking for sin in someone's life, you're going to find it. And also, you will not be bearing fruit of the Spirit of God in their life or in yours. Instead, I am praying that we would be people who uh, trust the Holy Spirit to convict us, trust the Holy Spirit to be making us more like Jesus, that we can trust our leaders, leaders to lead us well, And that most importantly, we can trust each other to be beloved brothers and sisters, that we know that when our back is turned, our beloved brothers and sisters speak of us well. And uh, that's that's my prayer as I've been speaking this morning. That's what I want you, what I hope that you are seeing glimpses of in me, that you know that I speak well of you when your backs are turned. I, I think well of you when I prepare this to speak to you this morning. I am thinking well of you when I say this. Um, that you are my beloved brothers and sisters, and I take that extremely seriously. And I know that I am also your beloved sister in Christ and that you take it seriously as well. And so that's kind of the three things that I I suspect God is kind of calling us into this morning, the three things that um, I think I want to pray for, that we would know the words of Jesus that the words of God would be clear to us, um, that there would be no doubt in in our hearts or in our minds who we are and what God says. Secondly, I'm praying that we would be doers of the words and not just hearers, that the words that God speaks would not just rest stagnantly in our hearts or in our minds, but that they would spur us to action, that we would become them, that we would seek them, that we would seek the kingdom of God because we are secure in the knowledge of who we are. And then finally, my prayer is that we would act in accordance with the standard that Jesus sets for us and that James calls us to. That we would understand what it means to really be beloved brothers and sisters in Christ and that we would speak in a way that reflects that. That we would purge gossip and unkind speech and um, Any words that are unworthy of the standard Jesus sets for us, that we would purge them from our lives and from our minds and from our hearts. And that rather, let's be people who speak the good and sweet and life-giving words of Jesus over each other. That you are loved, that you are seen, that you're worthy and that you're saved and that Jesus sanctifies you and that you have a place here and a purpose and a path. And so why don't we stand You've been listening to the Edinburgh Vineyard Podcast. For details of our service times and small groups, please visit edinburghvineyard.org.